Hey, thanks, Rachel. I'm so glad you guys are here today. Uh, as Bobby mentioned, we're, we're in this series entitled A Weary World Rejoices. And I don't know about you, but everywhere I go, I find weary people. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. I mean, everywhere I go, when I say, how are you doing? You know what I hear? I'm tired. Uh, I don't know how we're going to make it. Uh, we, we got so much going on. We're just so busy. That's what I hear from everybody. And, you know, it's, I don't know that it's any fault of anybody. It's as much as the fact that we're just living a world that's going at a pace that's just, just unsustainable. So I'd like for us to start this morning by just stopping and calming our souls and praying for a minute. And so if you would, just join me. Just take, just kind of put your hands in your lap. Just gently close your eyes. Find a place that's comfortable for you. Just kind of quietly and stilly right now, just say, God, I'd like to hear from you today. Would you still my soul? quiet my mind. Allow me to hear what you have for me today. God, whether I know it or not, I, I know somewhere in me I need more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me. Sometimes it's good just to stop and get still. Today, I want to talk about this weary world. But I want to talk specifically about Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, it's Christmas. How do you not talk about Mary, right? But I want to talk about Mary in, in a way that maybe, maybe we, we don't see her in. And that is Mary as a stressed out teenager. Did you know that statistics show that 16-year-olds today, that 92% of 16-year-olds this year will have a significant time of dealing with trauma, stress, and depression in their life today. It is significant. And that's one of the reasons why we created Clear Path Counseling, to be able to create an avenue where people could find help. But I want you to imagine Mary. Mary has been visited by an angel. And the angel says, hey, Mary, you are such a, a precious little girl that God has shown favor on you, and you're going to have a baby. And Mary's like, but I've, I've never been with a man. You're going to have a baby. So the stressor number one is pretty big, right? Stressor number two, by the way, the, the, the father of this baby is God himself. Okay, that's just a little pressure, right? Number three, you live in a world where you are betrothed to Joseph, which means you have this elongated period of about a year in which you're not to be with him, but you are betrothed to him as if you're married to him. And by the way, if you break that, then he has every right to have you put under arrest and then thrown in a pit and stoned to death. Just a little stress. Now, this is before we get to worrying about in that time of day when a little girl who is pregnant and not married and what the world would have thought and what her family would have done because her family would have disowned her immediately. She would have been kicked out in the street. She would have been left alone. There was nothing left for her. I would say Mary knew what stress was like. But Mary had the unique ability to do something that we find in the book of Luke in chapter 1 called the Magnificat. And this is when Mary sings this song in giving this declaration that my soul will magnify the Lord. In other words, the angel has come. The angel said, don't be afraid, which is one of the greatest understatements of all time. Don't be afraid. And then unpacks all that truth, which, by the way, should answer the question when you hear that song, Mary, did you know? Yes, she did. Just... 
like every time I hear that song, you know. By the way, have you ever noticed that nobody ever sings that song like, Mary, did you know? It's always, you always get it like, Mary, did you know? You know? And every time I hear it, I lean over to Jenny, you know what I said? Yes, yes, she did. She totally got it. And you say, well, how did she get it? Well, an angel came and said, you're going to give birth to a son that God is the father of. She knew, right? I mean, Mark Lowry, bro, she knew it was coming, right? But there she is, and she's got this stress in her life. So we go to this ancient philosopher, this old theologian named Elsa, who tells us what she does first. Let it go, let it go, right? See, some of y'all, the law said, you already checked out on me. I went to ancient philosopher, and you were like, oh, boy, here we go. Yeah. I got to Elsa, and it's like, I know her. Yes. So you say, well, I don't understand how to go. So would you do me a favor? Take your hands and put them like this. All right? Take your hands and put them like this. Now, on one hand, doesn't matter which one, take one hand and hold it tightly, firmly, like this, like make a fist, right? Now, on the other one, wiggle your fingers. And keep going. Now, I know some of y'all are too cool to do this, but really, try it. All right? All right. Now, watch this. Change hands. It's more complicated than you think, isn't it? Yeah. All right, now hold them both tight. Okay, now watch this. Mary, before she gets into this Magnificat, she's learning to let go of the things that she cannot control so she can cling to the one who controls them. Now watch this. Then she learns to remain by using both hands to cling to that which will fuel her. Now, I want to walk us through this story. If you'd be so kind, if you have your Bible or you have an app that has a Bible on it or you just want to follow online, would you stand and honor the reading and the hearing of the Word of God? And in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46, this is what it says. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Say that last word with me, forever. Now, have you ever wondered how long forever is? Like when a kid asks, Pastor Chuck, how long is forever? Forever's forever. Like if you can't define forever, then forever's forever. But I want you to look at what happened before that. It says, for he made this promise to our ancestor, to Abraham, and who? Now, who is that? All right, take that same hand that you've been clenching and put one finger up like this. You ready? Be, be careful which one you use. All right, this finger right here. All right. Now point it right at yourself. You know what he's saying? This guy right here, this girl right here. That's, that's who he's talking about. And he's saying, I made a promise to you forever. And what is that promise? And that promise is that I will not leave you, I will not forsake you, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Thank you. Have a seat. I'm so glad that you're here today. So what happens in this story is, is this. We learn in Matthew chapter 6 this amazing thing that is going on here. Jesus says in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. 
Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Don't they plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them? And, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? All right, now that, there's, there's a phrase for you. Can all your worries add one single moment to your life? More importantly, can it add any level of contentment, joy, to your life? Any fulfillment that comes from it? Not one thing, right? And we all know what happens to our life when stress and worry take over our life. We know what happens. Mary, the mother of Jesus, knew what it was like to be anxious during a time of great joy. God has shown great favor in me, and yet, can you imagine the stress in her life? I mean, she's having to learn how to do this simultaneously. Let go of those things which I cannot control and cling to the one who can control them. But you see, we don't do this well. We like to be able to say, but I'm going to hold on to whatever has gotten me completely anxious and stressed and worried and fretful. I'm going to hang on to those things because that's what I do. I worry about them and I fear for them. But now the problem with that is that inevitably we're the ones that are creating that stress in our life or we're allowing that stress to run our life. When literally we have the opportunity to hold that loosely and set them down and cling to the one who does indeed hold and control all those things. So the text says, can all your worries add one single moment to your life? The answer, of course, is no. Now, after Mary meets Elizabeth, she declares how my soul praises the Lord. We know that in Elizabeth's belly, the baby jumped for joy in meeting Jesus. It'd be easy to think that current concerns about stress are some new phenomena in our life. Every generation thinks we've had it worse. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, find somebody who grew up in the 40s, and they'll tell you how horrible it was. Some, find me somebody who grew up in the 50s, tell you how horrible it was. Tell me somebody who grew up in the 60s, they'll tell you how high they were. I mean, you just, any way you look at it. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But the problem is, we all think we've got the most stressful generation. But I want you to imagine. So here's a little 16-year-old girl told you're going to have a baby, but you've never been with a man. By the way, the father's going to be God. Don't take any pressure in that. And by the way, you could be stoned to death because of this. Your family might shun you, and you might be left out in the cold. Don't worry about a thing. I got you. I mean, come on. That she knew, she knew the stress that she was facing. It'd be easy to think that, oh, we've got it bad. But I mean, she knew what it was like. But what was it that could hold her together and keep her? I believe it was this one thing. I believe Mary could go back to the creation, and know she was created in the image of God. I believe she knew she was created in the image of God. Genesis 1.26 says, then God said, let us. Now you say, well, who's this? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us, one God, three parts, Father, Son, and Spirit, let us make human beings in our image. And why? To be like us. So God has created us in his image. Mary knew this God who created me in his image is now the father of my child. I can trust him with these things I cannot control. I can trust him with what people think about me. I can trust with him with what my family thinks about me. I can trust him with this worry and the fret. And my, I can trust him with these things I cannot control. Now watch this. This is some deep theological stuff for some of you. This doesn't mean that God has taken on the form of a man or woman, all right? But that each of us in some fashion, one, or one way or another, is a reflection of our creator God. Do you see the difference? 
You see, when we see that we are created in the image of God, then we understand our very origin and our identity is grounded in God. You see, here's the beautiful thing about each one of you. God made no mistake when he made the wonderful you. I mean, I just think this is absolutely wonderful. Now think about it. Some of you looked in the mirror this morning and you started singing, how great thou art. You know, I mean, you just, you, you just love yourself. I mean, that, I'm good for you. Some of you, like me, looked in the mirror and said, that's not good. We got to do something with this. But anyway, you look at it, God made no mistake when he made the wonderful you. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of y'all are weird. I mean, some of y'all are really weird. I mean, church folk, by and large, are weird, right? I mean, just look around at the people around you. There's some weird people, and you're one of them. <coughs> but now watch this. But if God has created you in his image, if he has said, I care for you, I love you, I'm wildly in love with you, how much more is he going to care for you than anything else? Worry, my friend, doesn't, care, doesn't do one thing to accomplish anything in our life. As a matter of fact, it's like burning sideways energy. I mean, how many of us burn up so much of our energy worrying about things we cannot control that those things we can control, we let slip right through our grasp? We worry about everything that might could happen rather than grabbing hold of that which we know can happen. We determine that we're in our mind, we have this negativity bias that our brain is trying to convince us all the wrong things that are happening, all the wrong things that might happen, all the things that could happen, because our brain loves to close every conversation with a negativity bias. And by the way, you could say, well, I'm immune to that. No, you're not. All of our brains do this. Our, our brain has this negativity bias that wants to rush to close it and say, yeah, but you can't, you won't, you're not good enough. And all the while we look in there and then we start holding onto these things tightly, those which we cannot control. What other people think of us, the stress we put on ourselves, how many things we have to get done before Christmas, how many things we need to try to do to meet somebody's expectations, how we try to do that to meet the nostalgia that we picture in some days past, and all of a sudden, we're completely maxed out, stressed out, and the things that we can control all fall apart because we're worried about the things we can't. Sideways energy keeps us from moving forward. Mary had the ability to move forward, but she had the ability to do that in the crazy first Christmas season. I mean, you think you've got it bad to try to get everything you've got done between now and Christmas. I mean, she had a nine-month Christmas span, and it was pretty, pretty challenging. I mean, in the midst of all this, I think it's important for us to reckon whether we're trying to meet expectations or perfection or we're fearful of the future, we've got to learn like Mary did to trust a God who literally can deal with all of it on our behalf. But here's the question for you today. What allowed Mary to sing her Magnificat when she says, I am blessed and I believe and now my soul praises the Lord? I mean, what allows her to say, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord? What allows her to do that? The differences between Mary and most of us today is this. Mary knew how to let go and hold tight. Mary knew how these things that she could not control, she could not hang on to, she learned how to let them go, and she learned how to cling to the one who could control them. Because when Mary says, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord, she's making a declaration. She's releasing what everyone else might think of her, what she thinks she might should be at this point in her life. She's releasing every fear, every stressor. And by the way, they're quite real. They're, they're not made up. These stressors in our life, I, I want to be the first one to acknowledge they're very real. And even if we've created them, they're very real. 
and we have to learn to cope with them. We have to learn to face them. And Mary, who is looking at the opportunity that could throw her in a pit and stoned to death and shunned by her family and left alone, now knows, I, I cannot control that. I've got to let it go. And she had to let it go, but she had to cling to something that could take care of it. Now watch this. It's one thing to hold loosely those things we cannot control, right? That's, that's one thing. It's another thing to have your other hand free to grab hold of that which you can control or who can control it. It's another thing that you can let go completely and grab hold with both hands. Now, if we put a, uh, a chin-up bar over here and we said, okay, we're going to line up and see how many people can do a pull-up, all right? I'm just going to go on record and say most of us couldn't do more than one or two. Now, I know some of y'all in here are like Studley Dudley, and you just couldn't wait to do that, right? But we wouldn't let you near it. We'd make our point with the fact that most of us couldn't do it, right? But we would burn a lot of energy trying to pull up. Well, I think what, what I'm trying to help us see is that when you let go and you cling to something, you better be willing to grab with both hands and hold on. Because let's, let's face it, most of us, we're sagging a little bit. We're carrying a little more weight than we once did. We, we, we need to be able to grab hold of something we can cling to. Jesus said in John chapter 15, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, this is Jesus giving an illustration. Jesus saying, I'm the vine right here. I, listen, I'm the life giver. Everything flows through me. You are a branch. Now, if you get it, if you say, if you, you say, I'm a branch, just raise your hand. I'm a branch. You got it? You're, you're a branch, all right? Some of you are like, no, I'm a thorn. All right, but you're a branch, all right? Now, the branches are fed by the vine. And he says, those who remain in me and I in them, they will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, now watch this. Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can't do diddly squat. So you can hold on to all of these if you want to, but what they're going to do is keep multiplying and they're going to keep raiding your soul and stealing you of your joy and robbing you of your peace and you're going to allow them to because you're not going to let go and cling to the vine. But if you'll cling to the vine, that life-giving flow will feed you as a branch and you then will have the ability to cling to the one who can handle everything you just dropped. Make sense? But now that's a choice that we have to make. He goes on, he says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like useless branch and withers. In other words, if you don't drop it and hang on to Christ, then you literally become worthless because your sideways energy is keeping you from being able to be all God's desired you to be. So the question is, do you want to stay in that mess, you want to stay fretful and stressful, or do you want to drop that and trust that to God and cling to both hands and let him replace through this life-giving energy, through the vine, into the branch, what literally pushes stress, pushes fret, pushes fear out of the branch, out of that, out of that, that entire body, and fills it with peace, joy, contentment, and peace. But see, that's the choice. The choice is, do you want to let go and do you want to cling with both? He goes on and says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask anything you want and it will be granted. And then he says, I have loved you 
even as the Father has loved you, remain in my love. Now, remember what he said earlier. He said, if you keep my words. In other words, if you keep my commandment. He says in verse 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. What's his commandments? Love God, love others as you love yourself. But, but Chuck, aren't there like a list of hundred things I need to keep up with? No, stop it. Don't, don't I, I mean, don't I have a list of like Christian do's and don'ts? Stop it. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love others as you love yourself. Jesus said, that's the one thing that matters. You don't get that right. Nothing else matters. You say, well, Chuck, I, I could do that. I can love God. I can love others. I, I can even maybe learn to love myself. Good. You're on your way to letting go and clinging to that which gives you life and energy, not sideways energy. He says, just as I obeyed my father's commandments and remain in his love, I've told you these things, listen to this, so that you could be filled with my joy. I mean, come on, how cool is this? He's saying, if you can let go of this junk and you can cling to me, and when you cling to me, I'm going to fuel your faith so that you can, with all of your might and power and strength, move forward with the understanding that I can do anything through you. You can be at peace. So Jesus categorically says, you can't do anything without me. You can't do anything. No amount of ingenious planning or restless activity, fret, worry, stress, or anxiety can produce that fruit. Just him. Just him. And this is like trying to tie imitation fruit on a real piece of tree. It just, it, it doesn't make sense. Friends, hear Jesus when he says, without me, you can do nothing. Do you want his peace, his joy? You want his hope? You want his power? Then you got to learn to lay down what you cannot control and grasp and remain attached to Jesus, the one who controls it all. But pastor, how? I mean, how, how do you do this? Watch this. Here's the proven formula that God has shown over and over in Scripture. Are you ready? Let's go back to Elsa. Let it go. Let it go. You with me? I mean, so how many of you have never seen Frozen? You are missing one of the greatest moments in your life. It will bless your whole situation, I promise you. It really will. So I encourage you this afternoon, go watch that. It, I mean, it's got deep, deep theology in it somewhere. And so I just, but really the sense of letting it go, but watch this. Here's how we, do your hand again. You ready? Here's how we let it go. You, you, you can't just let it dribble out. You got to turn it upside down. You got to let it go. I mean, you, you just got to open your hand. You got, you got to let it go. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, now this is, this is what first Peter five, six, and seven says. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he'll lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and care to God because he cares for you. Now, that boils down to one word. This is one thing you got to do. If you want to let go, you got to do this one thing. You got to surrender. Now, this is one of the hardest things in the world we humans have to do. I, I, Chuck, I don't want to surrender. If I surrender, then it's not in my control. Here's the good news. It's not in your control anyway. We just think it is. So we take on the stress. We worry, but it's not in our control. When we surrender, we're literally laying it down. Now, here's how that works in prayer. Are you ready? So... In prayer, you're literally going to say, God, I want to name for you these things that are stressing me. I want to name these things I'm fearful of. I want to name these things that, that have gotten me completely Twitterpated. All right? And when you get there, you say, well, doesn't God already know? Yes, he does. But he wants you to name it, and he wants you to claim it, and he wants you to leave it, and he wants you to drop it. But when you do that, you've got to leave it with him. You've got to trust him with it. 
So here's how that works. Let's just do it. Just, just go ahead and put your hands in your lap and bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's just do this. Just draw in a deep breath through your nose. Hold it. Let it out through your mouth. Just do one more. God, would you take away this stress and then name it? God, would you remove this fear and then name it? God, you, would you replace this burden with joy and then name it? Tell the Lord one thing you desperately need from him right now. Then tell him, God, I believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I doubt if anybody felt magic, but can I just be honest with you? The greatest posture to avoid human pride is prayer. The greatest posture to avoid human pride is prayer. When we surrender, what we're literally saying is, God, I am not you, but I need you. God, I am built, burning all this sideways energy, but I need to move forward in my life, but I can't do it without you, but with you, I can do all things. And it happens through surrender in prayer. Now, if we're going to let go, we've also got to hold firm. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold tightly. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now, what is that promise? That promise is he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Throughout the course of time, the one thing that I know has been constant in my life is that God has kept every single promise he's ever made. Has it been ideal the way I want it? Nope. But it's been perfect in his timing and his plan. Because God is going to work all things out for his good and for our good and for his glory if we'll choose to love him and trust him. But if we don't learn to cling to him and we keep holding on to the stress, we're going to live in that, not live in his power. And at some point, we have to be willing to let that go. If it took surrender to be able to say, I'm going to let go, it takes faith to be able to hold firm. Are you seeing this pattern? To let go requires surrender. To grab hold, it takes faith. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And then the third thing, take your hands back. We had one loose. We had one like this. Now I want you to take both and put them hand over fist. Now we've got to cling with both hands. Because honestly, this world wants to grab you and steal you away from the vine. This world wants to steal your attention. It wants to steal your energy and it wants to steal your passion, and it wants to rob you of what the vine wants to feed you. Listen to what Jesus says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask anything you want and it will be granted. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love, and when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's. So if you're going to, if you're going to surrender, what do you have? If you're, if you're going to let go, you have to surrender. If you're, if you're going to grab hold, you got to have faith. But if you're going to remain, but if you're going to remain, you got to have intention.
You got to have a desire that says every day I'm going to cling to that vine because the world's going to tell you tomorrow morning you don't have time to cling to the vine. The world's going to tell you you don't need what your branch needs. You, can, you need to worry. You need to fret. I promise you in the morning, you know what the first thing you're thinking of? All the things I got to do. I got to hurry. I got to go. And all the while, we're trying to feed you a weekday podcast that'll get scripture into your life every day. There, there are so many apps that you can do. There's an app called Glorify I use every day. Literally, I, I hear a thought. I hear a piece of scripture. I hear a little thought. I listen to our own weekday podcast. By the time I hear it, I forgot what I said anyway. And then all the while, I'm getting scripture fed into my life. And you say, but Chuck, I could do that. Yes, you could. And the fact is, the single greatest way to fight holding on to all of these things we cannot control is to get the Word of God in us so that it will work within us. It's like a probiotic against stress and worry and fright and fearfulness because the Word of God will never return void. It will always accomplish the purpose for which it's sent, and God sent it to bring us peace. This is the most wonderful news in the world. Jesus came to give y'all peace. In a world that's gone crazy, Jesus came and said, I've got the answer for you. Mary held firm after she let go, but then she remained. I mean, she hung there. Now it's your turn. Let it go. Just drop it. Just God, I'm going to name these things. I'm going to leave them with you. I'm going to trust you with them. Don't pick them back up. I mean, throughout the whole day, you know what I have to say to myself? This is, okay, I'm just getting really ridiculously tangible with you now. You know, I have to say all the time because I, ha- I can live right on the bleeding edge of depression if I allow myself to. I can live right on the edge of anxiety attacks all day, every day. That's how I'm wired. And all day long, you know, I have to say to myself, God, I am not picking that up. God, I am, I, no, I, that's yours. I, I'm not picking that up. You say, Chuck, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Work for me. Well, Chuck, I, I don't want to walk around telling God to pick that. Why not? I mean, do you, do you think he's too busy for you? You were made in his image. He loves you. He adores you. Somehow in God's infinite and wondrous plan, whatever's most bothering you is top of his list right now. And whatever's most bothering your spouse right now is top of his list right now. You say, well, how does he do it? I have no idea. I just know an all-powerful, almighty, thrice-holy God of Israel can do it and does it. But why not leave it with him? Let it go. Hold firm. Cling and remain. Friends, this Christmas season could be your greatest season ever, or it could be the season you hold tight to your fears and your failures and your fret. Mary chose to say, I can't worry about what everybody thinks. I can't meet every expectation. I can't do all that. But as a weary world wanders, you can let it go. You can hold firm, and you can remain attached to the source of peace, life's greatest commodity. It all comes down to this one thing. Do you really believe that Jesus, the son of the living God, can and will take that junk you're trying to hold on to and replace it with peace, joy, fulfillment, and contentment? Do you really believe that? Because, see, if you really do believe that Jesus can do that, then you will ask him to do that for you. And according to his own word, he will. But he's waiting on you to ask. And you say, well, Chuck, why didn't he just step in and fix it? Because he wants your love and affection to recognize you need him. 
Because you were built to need Jesus. Chuck, I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to have to be, I, I, don't, I don't want to have to owe him anything. Okay, now watch this. You don't owe him anything. He's already done it all for free. That's called grace. That's called mercy. He's already done all the hard work. All you got to do is receive it. Well, Chuck, how do I do that? I'm, I'm in on that. I want to do that. Okay, well, watch this. Sounds just like this. Jesus, I believe you died for me and you were buried for me and you rose from the dead for me. And so I want to claim you as my savior. And I'm calling on your name and asking you to forgive me for all the shortcomings I've ever had and ever will have. And I want to live for you. I want to stop living for me. I want to live for you. You say, well, that's what I want to do. Well, okay. Chuck, I couldn't even keep up with you. I can't say that. Okay, I'm not going to say it again. I'm just going to let you say, count me in on that, what Chuck said. Do you think God is limited by a magic prayer? I mean, seriously, our God is not limited to a magic prayer. Our God is not limited to anything. He can hear you, answer you, and replace all that with joy, peace, fulfillment, and contentment because he is God and you're not. But when we say, I need you, he's there. God, I trust you. He's there. God, I want you to take these from me. He'll take them. You've just got to choose that. So today, if you want to choose Jesus, I want you to join me in this prayer. Now, listen, I... I run the risk every time I do this of somebody looking at me like I got 10 heads, but I'm going with it anyway, all right? If today you say, I'm going to settle this and I'm going to put Jesus first in my life, let this be your prayer. Say it silently in your heart. You won't say it out loud, knock yourself out. But this prayer sounds like this. Jesus, would you forgive me? I want you to take over my life. I want to make a U-turn. I want to live for you. Would you replace my stress, my worry? with your peace and your contentment. Thank you that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me and that you're praying for me right now. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. Friend, if, that, if that's the prayer of your heart today, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. Just stand up wherever you're at. All it takes is one. All it takes is somebody who'd say, that's me. That's, I'm, count me in. Somebody, anybody. Anybody, I'll see your hand. Amen. 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 Y'all stay standing up. Y'all stay standing up. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Thank you. Y'all have a seat. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. My friend, listen. Mary could sing that. My soul, my soul magnifies the Lord because of the goodness of God. And in the midst of what you're coping with, the goodness of God will fill your soul with the precious power and the love of Christ if you'll just choose him. Father, we praise you and thank you for folks today who said yes to you, who want more of you, who want to choose to live for you. I pray that folks online experience the same thing and that today we would sing, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord as we let go, as we grab hold, and as we remain attached to you.